Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Super Teams. I'm Dr. Haru Okuda, Assistant Vice President of the University of South Florida's Office of Interprofessional Education and Practice. What is a super team? One definition might be a group of highly motivated, often highly skilled people working together towards a single goal and achieving it. Think the 27 Yankees or Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls. Maybe the people who built Microsoft or Apple, or perhaps Washington's first cabinet with Jefferson and Hamilton among its members. But how did these extraordinary groups come together? Is it luck or can a super team be designed? Can one be strategically assembled? And how do super teams relate to healthcare? We'll look for answers on this edition of Healthcare Super Teams. My guest is an expert in teamwork and team effectiveness. He's Dr. Eduardo Salas, professor and chair of the Department of Psychological Sciences at Rice University. Dr. Salas, welcome to Healthcare Super Teams. Good morning, Haru, welcome. Thank you. Uh, I'm so excited to uh, be able to speak to you today. I have followed your work for the last 20 years of my career, um, and I've heard you speak in keynotes. And uh, honestly, as we launch this podcast series, I could think of no one better uh, anywhere, really, to, to help kick us off. So I really appreciate you uh, agreeing to, to be Thank with you. us. Thank you. Glad to be here. So um, I offered one possible definition of a super team. And as someone who's researched, you've written over 450 articles, taught and consulted on how to build and manage workplace teams. What do you think makes some groups stand out from others? And, and, and ultimately, what makes a super team? Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, now very robust research that shows what are the characteristics of effective teams? And usually there are about five or six. Uh, the first one is their effective teams have uh, good uh, role clarity. They understand who is supposed to do what, who is supposed to do what with whom. So role clarity is a big one. The second is they have a shared understanding of the task, of the goals, of the mission. So it's um, essentially we call that in our lingo, they have a shared mental model of what they're going to do. Three, they have uh, robust information exchange protocols. In other words, um, they have closed-loop communication. They engage in closed-loop communication. They um, have, uh, they engage in communication that is precise, that is clear, that terminology is the right, uh, uh, is the right terminology. So information exchange protocols will be a third characteristic. A fourth characteristic is that these teams have psychological safety. Psychological safety is the license that they have to speak up. Most teams, whether they eventually um, have conflict one way or another. And the only way or one of the best ways to resolve conflict is by having psychological safety. So people can speak up um, freely uh, in, in, in there will be no repercussion on what they say. So that, that's another characteristic. Um, a fifth characteristic usually is they have a team leader that acts as a coach. Some, it's, a, it's a leader that develops the team, that promotes the team, that encourages psychological safety, that, that provides the role clarity um, that is needed. Um, 
so those are the, the, the top five, uh, more or less. Of course, there are other things. The, the better uh, collective orientation you have, collective orientation is a disposition that team members have to being a team, that you like being a team. So you have to have this attitude uh, of also being supportive and collective oriented. So those are the five, six uh, very, uh, uh, again, very uh, extensive research uh, and meta-analysis that have shown those are the five, six top characteristics of effective teams. And by the way, those generalize across healthcare, aviation, military. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a generalizable set of uh, features uh, for uh, effective teams. Okay, um, so that's that's really incredible, and I and as you mentioned, this is this is from a lot of work that you've done over the the yeah, and others, yeah. three three decades, and 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 contribute to the literature. and And, and one of the questions I was going to ask is whether um, this was specific specific to certain professions or organizations, but it, as you said, it's generalizable. So um, I wanted to then ask you um, if you could give me an example or two of seemingly disparate organizations or professions that are not healthcare um, that share these common elements and have been able to success, successfully incorporate super teams as a part of their daily practice. And, and I'm, I'm guessing you'll find super teams um, in a lot of organizations and professions, but I'm kind of curious more about a couple of examples where they've really been able to hardwire it into their organization. Yeah, so um, when I started my career 30-plus years ago, uh, the nuclear uh, power industry w was, uh, you know, beginning to um, put procedures, human factors procedures, and they were interested in all these human performance issues. So I think they, they were the first ones. I, I, used, uh, I remember going to a number of meetings where they began to look at uh, team as a teamwork uh, as a prevention, uh, you know, as a safety uh, prevention uh, strategy. So I think they are the ones who have done this very well over the years. Uh, that, that that industry uh, now, uh, as far as I know, uh, maintains strategies to keep teamwork uh, at, at, a peak, at a peak state. They do a lot of team training and those kind of things. The other a specific example I can give you is NASA, and, and, and mainly the uh, mission management team. Uh, one of the most rewarding projects I've done is I was hired by NASA for return to flight. If you might recall, there was a, the Columbia accident uh, stopped uh, uh, NASA from sending the shuttle uh, in space. And so um, NASA engaged in a process of uh, improving teamwork, improving team decision-making, improving those kind of things. So I was a uh, part of that uh, set of consultants, if you will, that helped the mission management team. This is the team that uh, the 26, 27 people that we used to see on TV launching and managing the, uh, the shuttle. I had to certify that the team was ready to launch uh, the shuttle. We engaged in a number of exercises, a number of uh, team development activities, and at the end, I mean, it, it was just, uh, it worked out, obviously. Uh, you know, we returned to flight at that time, and, and then for a, a, a while the shuttle program was uh, operational, we, we did very well. So th that's what they did. You know, every day they, uh, in, uh, we talked about uh, 
those five features that I, you know, role clarity, we engage in a big exercise uh, around role clarity um, and so forth. So th those are two examples um, that come to mind. I, I know that those are great examples. And, and I, I know, um, you know I, I imagine the stakes are pretty high for both. Fortunately, we haven't had any uh, nuclear power I issues and right. uh, not recently. I know in, in Japan there was an issue with the tsunami, but um, we've been, I think, as a, as a, in the U.S., been doing a, a very good job there and uh, NASA as well. And, and I, I know there's a reference to something called a highly reliable, high reliability organization. And, right. and I think both of those are probably characteristics where they're obsessed with safety and they're obsessed with teamwork and, and communication. Is that, is, that, is that how you see them? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, of course, the military is another one, mm -hmm. and and of course now we have the healthcare. But yeah, so those are the uh, the main industries uh, that yeah are really you, you got it. They're obsessed with teamwork. Right, so, right. Um, and yeah. and so when when you were working with NASA, um, you know, just to sort of um, uh, to to go back to your five to six points, they had um, there was clear roles. Um, shared understanding or shared mental model, um, right. information exchange protocols, like you said, closed close loop communication, psychological safety, good team leadership, and yep. a really good attitude about this. So let's let's shift because you you brought up healthcare uh, a little bit, and and so now if we're looking specifically at healthcare, um, as, as you know, back in 1999, the Institute of Medicine here in the U.S. published a landmark report entitled. Uh, to air is human, building a safer health system. And uh, in the report, it concluded up to 98,000 people die each year as a result of preventable medical errors, with many of these deaths as a result of poor teamwork and communication. And I think years after that, there's been um, maybe m more data suggesting that it's it's in the hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. And I, I understand much of your work um, is inspired by this study. And so Two decades later, after this this report, how effectively has our healthcare system been able to address uh, this issue around teamwork and communications? And have we in healthcare been able to create super teams? That's an uh, interesting question. Very good question. Um, I think that healthcare is not there yet. So uh, you have to remember, uh, for example, aviation took uh, 20, 25 years. Uh, to really change his culture uh, around uh, teamwork and you know and team training, in healthcare uh, we're still not there. Um, so when the 1999 uh, report came out, essentially my career changed uh, somewhat because from that moment, um, 70, just about 75% of what I do till today is healthcare, and in in the early uh, 2000s. Uh, there was there was a tremendous pushback for issues around teamwork, and that has changed. That so th there is improvement. So when I go to um, healthcare systems, hospitals, uh, and so forth, I don't see the resistance that I used to see five, eight, ten years ago. But there's still a little pushback, um, and and it's and, and the pushback is essentially uh, around. Uh, this is not my problem. This is somebody else's. This is the nurses. This is the technicians. This is the attendings. But uh, you know, not the uh, not the physician uh, per se. 
So um, there are some hospitals that are beginning the journey. There are some hospitals that are in the middle of the journey. And there are some hospitals that are very, hospital systems that are very much advanced. And, and they're really doing uh, things to improve, to, to use teamwork as, as a way to uh, reduce uh, medical errors. So as a community, as an industry, uh, my, 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 if I were to grade this, I would say maybe a B minus. Okay. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, so there's still room for improvement. Okay. Uh, well, B minus, I guess, is a little above average. My, my kids would get in trouble, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're getting yeah. there. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, it's because everybody's trying to do something. Right, right. Were, you know, from the the little systems to the big systems, uh, to the uh, small schools of medicine to the big prestigious schools of medicine, they're trying to do something. But it, as you know, uh, healthcare is so complex. It just it's going to take some time uh, to get all this, and, and to and for this kind of uh, issues that we're talking about to be part of the DNA mm-hmm. of the of the um, healthcare system, it's going to take time. Um, so, so I think that's where we are. I'm optimistic, but uh, because I've seen the change from 20 years ago, uh, but I think, um, for, at least from my eyes, from mm-hmm. from my lens, uh, I think we, we still uh, we have we still have a way to go. Um, I'm curious because you mentioned in some of the other fields that you referenced earlier, it took them 20, 25 years, and I think we're about 20 years since yeah. this report. Are we following a similar? pattern of improvement or did the other industries happen almost overnight and we're still struggling well uh, you know i tell you what the big difference is is um in aviation for example if you would uh, you know when i started i, I did some work for in aviation too you know early on pilots rejected th- th- this notion of teamwork um, very similar to uh, 20 years ago some some physicians uh, rejected this but when, but the difference is that pilots realize that if the plane goes down, they go down with the plane. Right. Uh, in healthcare, the only one that goes down is the patient, and and so it, you know, so in aviation there was a big incentive for the crew to engage because, it, you know, if if if, if right. things uh, went wrong, they went down with the, with the passengers, and so that, that was a big uh, incentive, if you will, quote unquote. Uh, the healthcare doesn't have doesn't have the hook, and, and so it, 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 you're you're left to the uh, uh, you know once uh, you're left to uh, physicians and and CMOs and CEOs of of, of the systems to be to get a, if you will uh, you know uh, an idea that yeah this is good for us I mean you know we need to reduce error we we can have this kind of thing so that's the problem that. That there's not a, a unified hook like aviation had in healthcare, and so you have some leaders who believe in it and want to do something about it, and some leaders who are slow at promoting these things, and and, they, and there are some leaders who still are skeptical about whether this is going to work. I, I I so I mean thinking about it, you have aviation, you have the nu- nuclear power industry. I mean, if they made a mistake, they would go down with sure. the ship as well. And as you know, I'm an emergency physician. I, I guess if if my my pulse or my heart was linked to the patient I'm taking care of, I would, you know, there would be a different stakes on the line. So I, I definitely uh, hear what you're saying. But but you know, you hope that physicians and nurses and other healthcare teams would 
take care of uh, their patient similar to if it was themselves or others. And maybe that's part of the, you know, changing the, the visualization of care um, that we need to move towards. Sure. And so we've defined what super teams are, some of the elements or the five or six elements uh, they have in common, and professions that have been successful in integrating teamwork into their culture. But how do you create one, especially in healthcare, or can you? The answer is when healthcare super teams continues. With us today is Dr. Eduardo Salas, Chair of the Department of Psychological Sciences at Rice University. In addition to teaching, Dr. Salas has spent over 30 years researching and writing about what makes an effective organization a super team. He's also been a consultant in team performance to numerous companies as well as a senior research psychologist for the Training Technology Development Branch for the Naval Air Warfare Center Training Systems Division, or NOC-TSD, for the U.S. Navy. So do super teams happen, or are they created? Yeah, a good question. I think um, they are developed. Think of, the, of, of probably the best team you've been in. How was it in the first day? How was it in the second day? You know, usually not, not smooth. So in my experience, uh, teams do um, develop. And how did they develop? Over time, they, le- they learn about uh, uh, role clarity. They learn about psychological safety. They learn about uh, all the things that I, that I t- they talk about. So it, it takes, it, it, it takes uh, some time. What helps, uh, the good news is from the science, we have some tools that, that can help with that development, can make that, uh, that development uh, to be smooth and, and really uh, you can do it in a short period of time. So, for example, debriefing. To me, every time I talk in healthcare, I say, you know, debriefing is the most underutilized, most simple, yet most uh, a powerful tool that organizations have to improve teamwork. And it's, you know, as you know, debriefing is just a reflection on what just happened. Even if you do it for two minutes, for 30 seconds, for three minutes, uh, that helps improve because what happens in the debriefing, if you do it well, you clarify roles, you, clar- you can um, uh, uh, create uh, uh, the information exchange protocol that, that, that you need. Uh, you can uh, talk a little about uh, avoiding conflict and those kind of things. So debriefing is, is one tool that helps teams develop. And the same is team training. Right, uh, as you know, in healthcare we have team steps now, uh, but there are uh, other uh, team training systems there where people learn the skills, learn to uh, learn and practice the what does it take to uh, to exchange information, how how can you create psychological safety, how can you clarify roles and so forth. So um, the bottom line is that teams need to be developed. Now, once in a while, you'll find a team that you, you that you that came together and it, it worked uh, um, beautifully. But what, what we want in, from the science is that that experience gets repeated, right? You, you, you want reliability of these things. And so to get reliability, you need tools to help you develop and, and do those kind of things. I agree with you as well. I think you know, I, I've been involved in music growing up, and I was uh, orchestra, and I was um, 
a concertmaster and an orchestra in college, and, and I played on teams as well in sports. And so I, I definitely saw, you know, you know whether you had a, a good leader, good followership, good culture, psychological safety um, really impacts the development yeah. of a team. But I, I do want to press you a little bit because, as you alluded to, there are some situations where um, I think often in, in situations of disaster, unexpected, um, you know, whether it's a fire or um, a, a hurricane or something, and, and people need to suddenly rally together and get an, a goal accomplished, and they do that, and, they, and they've, they've never met each other before. Um, how, how, you know, in those natural situations, uh, and sometimes it's terrible, but in those times where it's effective, why, why does that happen? Like, what, what makes it kind of click? Yeah, well, it, it's because um, to, to be a good team member, you, you have to know your own job. So if you have people who are highly competent in their job, and they understand the roles, then they're, they're going to function effectively. They're, they're going to be able to manage the stress, the crisis, and, and so forth. And, and by the way, uh, to, uh, that is what I think happening, uh, is in happening with COVID-19, mm-hmm. that in, 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 you know, a lot of, um, at least anecdotally what I read, is that a lot of these teams met for the first time, uh, you know, when, when this pandemic started in March here, and, and they, they, they've been doing beautifully. Uh, and it, it's because of, I, I think, I mean, I, I mean, I'm just speculating here a little bit, but it's because of the technical competence and in, in, in the role clarity that they had, who was supposed to do mm-hmm. what. And they, they had quickly organized. They had to quickly organize to take care of this, the, 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 uh, the, the amount of patients that were coming in. So, um, so I, you know, the first rule in teamwork is, in order, again, in order to be a good team member, you need to know your job. Mm-hmm. If you don't know your job, if you're not competent, at, at the, uh, at, uh, if you're not expert in what you're doing, then we, we're going to have problems. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, but in that example that you give, whether it's COVID or other things, um, there, there's one thing that kind of brings them all together, which is the motivation part. And of I think you, you mentioned in aviation and nuclear power, there, there are some self-motivators of survival, right? And in the case of COVID or other things, they're motivated by, you know, this, the crisis in the moment. And it was interesting that, you know, I'm reflecting back on the five or six um, uh, components that make up a great team. You haven't, you didn't really address motivation or, um, sort of a, a, a sort of end goal, and I'm kind of curious where that fits into this. Well, um, I, I, yeah, you're right. Motivation is very powerful, uh, no question. So that's the hook, by the way, mm-hmm. that healthcare has, mm. is that, you know, of course, you know, everywhere I've been for the last 25 years in the healthcare system, everybody cares about the patient. Everybody cares about uh, the health and, 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 and the well-being of who they're taking care of. That is the powerful motivation mm-hmm. that healthcare has. Um, but um, um, the reason I don't, ex- and, and maybe you're right, uh, I probably should make it explicit, but when I talk about shared mental models, is that's where the motivation is. Mm. Because what shared mental models is, is I care about what you're doing. I care because together we need to do something. Right. And so the, the, the motivation is embedded in, in, in having the shared mental model because we understand the goal. I know what we need to do, and we need to do it together. And so I need to understand your role. You need to understand mine, and, and together we're going to get there. 
And so the motivation is uh, implicit in, in that. Uh, but but uh, uh, maybe you're right. Maybe I should uh, no, that, make it the that, that actually makes a lot of sense. And really, it, 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 it does explain um, yeah. the, the drive and the focus. So I, I appreciate that. So, um, so you mentioned some of the tools like debriefing and team training. Uh, but I kind of want to think about if, if there are, are folks listening that says, you know, I, I, I want to, um, you know, I'm starting with this new organization or, or new team, um, and um, but I'm, I'm sort of stuck with the people that I have, right? And that's not a bad thing, but these are you know, the folks that I, I, maybe I come in as a leader into a team um, and I'm working with this existing structure, existing team, um, and they have a set you know, maybe they're dysfunctional or maybe they have some issues around personalities. How difficult is it to change the culture of that organization? And and what's sort of the first step or first thing that you need to do to, to get you to these high-functioning teams? So the, the, the way I usually answer this is because I, I get that question asked a lot is, you know, it's very difficult to change people. But if you change the conditions under which they work, mm-hmm. To simplify, to oversimplify, two things happen: or they adapt to the new conditions, or they leave. Right. They do something else because sure. they don't fit. Right. Yeah. And, and so, to me, uh, the um, one of the most powerful tools that organizations have is setting the conditions, mm-hmm. the culture. I, I use the word conditions. Uh, so it's it's teams or teamwork flourishes flourishes in organizations that have supportive conditions, mm-hmm. that they're incentives for teamwork, that they promote teamwork, that they, they give uh, the team, uh, team members um, tools to, uh, uh, to develop, to, mm-hmm. to get better uh, at this. And, and so uh, that's what, uh, at, at least in healthcare, I've seen some healthcare systems that they are addressing. They need to change the conditions. And that's how you change you have you have a chance of changing people's behavior because they they have to adapt to these conditions. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and and so uh, from the science, I I am not an organizational change management expert, but I do know enough that you can change an organization. It takes time. You know, I, I've seen a figure that it takes 24 months or so right, right. to change. Uh, and, and so the the way to handle this is to think about what conditions we need to create so that people are motivated to to be in teams and to do the teamwork uh, things. And, and, and usually that comes from, you know, the top leadership, the CEOs, the CFOs, the CMOs, uh, all of those things, um, who, who send signals, uh, positive signals, through incentives and other things, that this thing, that teamwork matters and is here to stay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 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 I imagine there's there's got to be a lot of good role modeling at that C-suite right. level. I, I know we have a um, a uh, hospital here in Tampa, uh, Tampa General Hospital, and I've seen their CEO, who's relatively new, a couple of years now, um, and he really role models some a lot of the psychological safety team behaviors. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's really been interesting, it, fun to watch the transformation. Um, of that organization. I'm kind of curious, you talked about motivation. What, you know, we, we, when we talk motivation in terms of buckets, we often talk about the carrot and the stick. 
Um, do they are they both effective in helping teens, or is it usually more the carrot, sort of the positive uh, support? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there, there, we have research that shows that uh, positive feedback in in, in support that leads to better performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, uh, yeah. I'm, this is now me personally. I, I'm, I'm a believer that that, that the carrot is, is the best uh, best tool, the, the best way to get there. Right. But remember. That, again, to, to go back to this hook that healthcare has, uh, is I have, um, in my 20 years doing healthcare stuff, I have yet to find somebody that says, you know, I don't, I, I, I hate what I'm doing. You know, because people self-select. I mean, they, they like being there. Uh, the nurses like being there. Mm-hmm. The technicians, the physicians, they like what they're doing. And, and, and so that's the, that's the big uh, 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 motivator. Right. No, I, I, I absolutely agree with that as a healthcare provider. And I, yeah. I've yet to meet a physician or a nurse or a respiratory yeah. therapist or pharmacist that, that, you know, they ultimately they love what they're doing. They're passionate about yeah. uh, patients. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and I was going to ask you about, you know, how do you deal with resistance to change? But I think you, you've addressed it. I, I yeah. know um, there is a book that I, I enjoy reading or read uh, from, uh, from Good to Great. Uh, by Jim yeah. Collins, and he often talks about you. You know, you either get on the bus or you get off the bus. And I think what you're alluding to is is that you build a culture. And if people are just not willing to get on the team and and have the team behaviors, then they they would need to leave the organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so a lot of your research and consulting work has dealt with uh, interprofessional organization, cross cultural situations. Um, there are a few professions. Um, that are as specialized as healthcare. I mean, we have, as I mentioned just now, uh, physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists. Um, you have pharmacists, athletic trainers, uh, physical therapists. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Um, and I know when I trained in medicine um, in medical school to become a doctor and then I trained as a resident, I, I really – um, learned in my own unit in, in silos, and yeah. and and I didn't know what a nurse. I honestly didn't know what a nurse did until even when I became an attending practicing medicine. I didn't know what a nurse did until I really was curious and started talking to my nurse colleagues, and I started understanding them. Um, how how do we get folks out of these silos? Does it have to start early in their infancy of training? Like how how does this? How are we going to do this? Yeah, absolutely. Um... You know, there are uh, some schools of medicine uh, uh, that I know of that I have helped uh, uh, structure things where the first hour that the uh, student touches is not biology, is not, uh, you know, chemistry or whatever. It's teamwork. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, uh, you know, look uh, what powerful message you send. The first thing you talk about is how to work with others mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you need others to, to, to fulfill your job. So um, I, I think that's one, one way uh, to start is by saying, you know, uh, healthcare is a team sport and you need uh, teammates and your teammates have different roles, different responsibilities, and they have different expertise. Right. And you're going to need that expertise. So here's how you work. And so uh, some schools are beginning to do some of that. And, and I think that is uh, – that is great long term yep. because you know then this 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 set of of, of healthcare providers uh, uh, 
grow, if you will, quote unquote, uh, knowing that they need to get other people to help them. And, and so team training is, is going to help a little bit, but uh, for long-term change, I, I, I think it's about structuring the learning experiences in a way that then people naturally see that they need the support and they need to engage with others in, the, in a meaningful way to fulfill their uh, goals. That's that's really interesting. I, it, is, it, it makes sense that you know just forcing people to work in teams, forcing them to learn the tools, unless it's part of the broader mission organizationally and the uh-huh. culture, it won't really take root. Um, right. And and as you mentioned, uh, our at USF Health, um, we have our Office of Interprofessional Education and Practice that was really built for this purpose. We have four colleges, which is medicine, pharmacy, public health. Um, and nursing, and um, we come together regularly to build common curricula so that the students can learn from each other, about each other, teach each other, and it's been really effective over the years. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so let's say you've built your super team or in the process of building it. How do you keep everyone on track? Some ideas when healthcare super teams returns. Dr. Eduardo Salas is my guest. He is chair of the Department of Psychological Sciences at Rice University. Building an elite organization is one challenge. Maintaining it is another. How do you keep a super team super? Yeah, um, so I think I alluded to that. To me, the sustainability of this behavior, of this kind of behaviors, attitudes, and cognitions depends on leadership, organizational conditions. Most of my lectures are around, and you probably have seen this a couple of times, is the seven C's of teamwork. Mm-hmm. One of the C's is conditions, and, and that is the one that generates sustainability. Mm-hmm. Team training gives you the behaviors, gives you the expertise, but long-term is conditions. So, in fact, I think that is the biggest challenge in healthcare. Because we know that team training works. There's a couple of meta-analyses on, on that that mm-hmm. show that team training saves lives, it reduces mortality, it reduces errors. Mm-hmm. So we know that it works. We know that debriefing works. Teams that debrief outperform those that don't, that don't debrief by 25%. So how do you sustain the behaviors over time and how do you change the culture? It's by supportive organizational conditions. And that is leadership. That is the CEOs, the CMOs, who create, uh, again, signals, who send signals that this matters. Um, and, 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 and like you said early on, that they mimic the kind of, you know, they mimic uh, uh, information exchange protocols. Mm-hmm. They, they do psychological safety themselves and those kind of things. And, and, and so that is the way, uh, uh, that is the big challenge in healthcare is the sustainability and is through supportive organizational conditions. I'm I'm kind of curious um, about the role of the leader, and I know I know that's one of your the key factors of great teams. But you know I, I've seen organizations that, and, and I alluded to in the beginning about the the Chicago, Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan. You have a great team leader, and then if that individual leaves an organization, I mean you could argue it's the, his skills as well. Then the team dynamics change and. And so in some organizations, they fall apart. And whether that's a CEO or maybe it's a surgeon who's a leader on a team, 
um, you know, I, I worry that sometimes it's all reliant on the, the leader and without that leader, things fall apart. And so I was kind of curious your perspective on teams that function because of a leader and then teams that function because they just have all of the characteristics that you talked about that regardless of who's leading, it'll continue to, to sustain as a, a, a super team or high-functioning team. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I think it's about um, that they have all these features. So speaking of Michael Jordan, so maybe you heard me say this before, but I remember uh, reading his biography. And one of the things Michael Jordan says is something like, it wasn't until we got Scottie Pippen that we began mm. to win championships. Right. And Scottie Pippen was, as you know, or I may know, um, he, he was a great defensive player, uh, but not a high scorer. But he always had the high assists. Right. He was, and, and so the leader, the uh, uh, Michael Jordan, needed somebody that would pass the ball. Mm-hmm. He needed somebody who was collective-oriented. And, and so, he, so he couldn't do it alone. One of the things that good teams do, they, they engage in shared leadership. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily there's one person doing everything. At certain points uh, during, the, um, uh, during the execution of a task, uh, some people, because of the expertise that they have for that particular case at that particular time, then they, they become a leader. So sometimes also when leaders do leave, the, the actual appointed leader leaves, others can jump in and, and do backup. That's that's really interesting. The shared leadership uh, idea, and and that makes a lot of sense. I guess if that leader does leave, then the goal is to find another individual that comes in with that all of the shared cultural and psychological safety, all the shared values yeah. of that team. Yeah. And then you can have a highly functioned team. If you have somebody yeah. come in saying it's my way or the highway, then it probably will fall apart. Yep, correct. Um, that's really interesting. So I'm I'm following up on this leadership idea. I know at least, you know, 15, 20 years ago, as you, you mentioned earlier, some of the pushback by physicians and, and maybe other healthcare um, professions as well is like, well, you know, uh, medicine's an art and I'm a, I, I won't go as extreme as say I'm an artist, but, you know, medicine's art and, you know, it's, you know, I'm successful at what I do because of the individuality and so, you know, when they push back and say, well, I don't want to be a team. I need to lead and it's my way because I know the right thing. Um, so I, I'm curious, is, is there any, you know, for those that are afraid that they're going to lose their indiv- in individuality or lose their specific focus on a task, are there any downsides to, you know, shifting from how it used to be to this this really, you know, beautiful picture that you presented around teamwork? Are there downsides for individuals? Interesting question. Probably, to me, with, with the uh, very powerful motivation that there is in healthcare, probably not. Mm-hmm. Because at the end, wh- why are you there? You're there to help the patient. One of the things uh, that sometimes I, I say when I go to organizations is that good, good teams leave the ego outside. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 don't, they don't carry ego. In aviation, that happened uh, a little bit. Uh, pilots uh, thought, you know, during the 70s and early 80s, that was the, the time of the right stuff, and mm-hmm. they thought that, uh, you know, pilots were invisible and those kind of things. Uh, that has changed tremendously. Of course, there's egos, right, mm-hmm. uh, in healthcare and, and actually in er- everywhere. But um, 
what I've seen, the transformation that I've seen is that even some in some uh, uh, systems where there was resistance to this, that they have come around. It is um, hopeful that, you know, as, as you're describing, it took in aviation a little bit of time, but, you know, the pilots came around and... And I think you know you've recently you you said earlier that you rate a B minus in healthcare, and I think it was yeah. much much further back uh, back maybe twenty yeah. years ago, um, and and so it is very helpful. And so so what I'm hearing from you is that there are health organizations, hospital systems, et cetera, that are at a high teamwork, highly reliable, uh, has really embedded these these high-functioning teams or super teams into their system. I mean, from your research and what you've been telling me, this works. It saves lives. It, yeah. it sounds like it even it even uh, reduces inefficiencies, be, just be, you know, happy going to work because they respect each other and, um, you know, leaving the ego at the door. It, it really doesn't sound like there's any downside in, in, in this. Yeah, no, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, one of the uh, there have been studies that uh, one of the uh, unintended co- unintended good consequence of teamwork is that uh, retention of nurses. Mm. Pe- people don't want to leave sure. because they like the, where they are. But but, but what I don't want to um, to sound like is like uh, we have the solution. I think we have a solution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you know, team training and teamwork will help. But at the end. It's 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 some other uh, things. So here's a, a, how can I translate them? So I did a meta-analysis uh, in 19, in 2008. I did a meta-analysis of team training in across the board, and what I found was that team training essentially uh, boosts performance by 20 percent. Hmm. So that this is a number. This is a translation that I've used uh, to convince. Uh, uh, chief financial officers that if they roll out teamwork, this is the benefit they're going to get. They're going to get 20% improvement. So that, in a sense, is good news. But you also have to say, okay, so where's the other 80% come from? Hmm. And so what I usually say, the other 80, other 80% needs to come from conditions, needs to come from leadership, right. needs to come from other things that you need to do. So, yes, team training works. It gives you results. It gives you uh, uh, efficiency, mm-hmm. re- uh, reduction of medical errors, all the things that I've talked about. So it's necessary right. for patient safety, but it's not sufficient. Right. You need the other 80%. Got it. Got it. So my final question to you is is really some advice looking forward because, you know, this is your launch. You're helping us to launch a series that we're looking uh, for super teams. And so over the coming months, our podcast will be interviewing experts from professions outside of healthcare to learn about how they've been able to create their super team. Um, and I think you've mentioned some of these fields, but I'm, I'm, I just want to you know, ask you again, what professions do you feel have been able to successfully create the ideal super team? Um, you know, who should we be, what profession should we be asking? And then do you have any other advice for us on this journey ahead? Sports. Mm-hmm. Is one. So um, I have um, one of my former students is at Clemson University, and one of the fascinating things is uh, we went to see uh, you know where they train. The, you know after winning two national champions, Clemson they have uh, you know they, they, they have a lot of um, 
donations and they have built this beautiful facility where they they train the team trains and they have a sports psychologist there that motivates them and, and i i spent uh spent a, a, a couple hours talking to the sports psychologist there and it was fascinating the kind of things they do mm. for teamwork uh and it's all around motivation and it's all about the goals it's about sheer mental models right they don't use that lingo but it's exactly what it's it is so you might benefit from some some people from from the sports sports and and i imagine you know I imagine some music, um, like some of the larger music organizations. There's a professor at Columbia that does jazz. He's mm. a jazz musician who goes around organizations in promote, promoting teamwork, but take, take, um, he takes his band uh, and plays for them, and as they play, they begin to talk about mm. features. Uh, of teamwork, and, and I, I've seen him. And, and, and again, he he does not use the lingo that I use, right. but he talks about shared mental models. He talks about shared leadership. He talks about all this stuff. Interesting. Uh, so, so, so similar traits or co- similar um, factors in teams yep. and other organizations, just you yep. know, through different words. Well, uh, Dr. Salas, uh, thank you so much for being with us. It's been sure, truly a you. pleasure and honor to speak with you. Thank you, Haru. Thank you very much. Hopefully, this was useful. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Our guest has been Dr. Eduardo Salas, Chairman of the Department of Psychological Sciences at Rice University. If there's a particular topic you'd like to hear more about here on Healthcare Super Teams, let us know. Our email is ipep at usf.edu, ipep at usf.edu. Until next time, I'm Haru Okuda. Thank you for joining us on Healthcare Super Teams.